We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of Overtime on Road of Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I am joined by Sean Siegel, as always. Sean, we had a packed week last week. We then did a draft of the weekend against the listeners. Part one, two, and three of those, including the recap, will now be available for everyone to listen in as this show now has dropped on Thursday. So action-packed, getting lots of content in there. Really enjoyed drafting against the 11 listeners that were involved in this. If you're interested in drafting against myself and Sean, let me know on Twitter at Overtime Ireland or email it over at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Super fun, Sean, to get to know the community, to continue to grow the Rotoviz Overtime community, the Rotoviz community in general. So much fun. In fact, one of my favorite things, obviously I'm based in Ireland and you're based in the US, is to find out where all over the world people are you know, listening in from. But when people are messaging in to say they want to draft there's people from australia new zealand there was somebody from holland who sent in a, f- a question a few weeks back and then last week one of the the drafters was from denmark so super fun finding out where all the people are listening in from let us know we always love to find out those things if you're listening from around the world even if you're listening in the u.s let us know it's uh, great to kind of put little pen marks and, and maps to see where all these people are listening in from the last thing I'll say before we get to find Sean's thoughts on, on the draft experience with the Road of His OT listeners is congratulations to Lawrence Bailey, who did win the Scott Fishbowl contest we had. So he will be representing the OT kind of community as the, the listener winner of that contest. So congratulations to Lawrence and thanks again to Scott Fish for giving us that entry to give away. But Sean, it was a busy draft at the weekend. We were over at the FFPC. How are you feeling after uh, after all the dust has settled? Great, right? I mean, this was so much fun. We started out uh, with Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase. It doesn't get uh, much more entertaining than that. Obviously, we've got to tell ourselves a story about how those QBs are going to work out. But if you are going to break from structure and take sort of an outside approach. I think it makes a little bit more sense in a tournament where the value of being right is going to be much, much greater. And then obviously you have to have 
put that team together in a way where it could work out. And, and we did, I mean, it, a lot depends on Desmond Ritter. So we'll see how he performs and, and Zach Wilson. Obviously we have Zach Wilson there with Garrett Wilson. If the, the Wilson squared gang can get the job done this season, if they end up being the two breakout players of 2022, then we're in pretty good shape. We have the team set up otherwise to be very, very dynamic. And one of the things that we talk about from time to time is that you want to build your team such that very few things actually have to happen in order to be easily the best team right now. Some of those things that have to happen, maybe the specific thing you need is a low percentage outcome, but it can't be that you need a low percentage type of outcome. And then the rest of your team also is built in a way that doesn't work, right? If you're going to base it around this specific scenario that maybe is fairly unlikely, everything else has to be so dominant that when that scenario hits, you actually win as opposed to the scenario hits. And then, you know, we're still kind of back up to square one because the rest of it doesn't work. So anyway, I, I like the team. Obviously there are some ways that we could have played it much, much safer early on, but the main thing is it was just so much fun to draft with the listeners. I'll see the listeners comments. It it's not really possible to, also chime in a ton in the chat when we're trying to do the show but we appreciate so much all of the interaction both there on social media uh just interacting with the two of us all of those kinds of things and the interest in these contests has been pretty significant and that makes us feel good it's a lot of fun to know that we have folks that enjoy the show and enjoy the draft and in some of these cases they're probably like well sean and colin are gonna start off a draft that way i want in that seems like one team out so anyway we, we had a ton of fun with it yeah so much fun and on today's show we are going to cover the quarterback position a couple of listener submitted questions following up on some of the information that maybe we talked about in those drafts or in the drafts with sean and ben over on stealing bananas so uh, something that i'm really enjoying sean over the last uh, couple of months in the last year in particular and i i'm just thinking of this now as we're talking i believe it was sunday of this week like last week so the 26th of june marked one year of stealing bananas podcast content so congratulations to you and ben on hitting that landmark but we kind of have a it reminds me of the the marvel kind of cinematic universe we have this kind of multiverse going on at the moment with <laughs> stealing bananas and ot and the, the crossover of the audience the crossover of the content so fun to get into those quarterback questions later but sean something that we get asked about a lot is you know we talk on the show and our processes our thoughts the draft structure and that's why over the last month or so we've done the zero rb content kind of going back to the origin stories but some of the stuff we talk about when we're doing it in every single draft and on each and every show we may mention things like for example we're going to talk about today the quarterback window or the qb window and that can be to us oh yeah it's the qb window but i have got a couple of questions over the last week or so about what is the qb window essentially and it is one of the cornerstones of our approach to best ball and, and how to maximize those roster constructions and to try and build on your win rates but for people who maybe are, are new to rotavis new to rotavis over time or just in general are new to best ball and are drafting and want to, to gain that edge what is the quarterback window the qb window is where we're drafting our quarterbacks specifically in best ball leagues to maximize our win rates right so over a, a large period of time and we have the best ball win rate explorer which will give you fan ball results going 
know, back to the 2015 time period. We have FFPC results going back to the 2017 time period. We have underdog results for this past year. And you look at the different trends. And one of the things that you do see is that there will be some specific years where a different approach will work. And for example, in 2021, we did have some elite quarterbacks hit to such a level and in a range where the opportunity cost, even though significant, didn't completely offset that. But over a long period of time, and I believe even with the rise of the elite QB and the belief that you know we have in a lot of fantasy circles that the elite QB is in some ways here to stay with the pass rate over expectation of these very top quarterbacks. One of the things that you've always had is this trade-off between efficiency and volume. You know, if you're destroying the opponent, then you're not going to have these huge passing numbers. One of the things that you see with Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers, you go back through and you look at some of their best seasons and they were still a very effective quarterback and a quarterback that you wanted to have on your team, but the passing attempts were not up where you might've gotten from QBs who were far less effective. Those QBs had to throw a lot in the fourth quarter. You're trying to come back. And so you get a little bit of this balancing element. We may be moving away from that with some of the players like a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes. Obviously you have quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray who bring this elite rushing element. Jalen Hurts pushing himself into that category, perhaps Trey Lance, perhaps even someone like a Justin Fields. But even with in that context, you can kind of, Think about well not all of those quarterbacks are going in the first four or five rounds and the thing that you see is that if you wait until round six and maybe even preferably round seven to select your quarterback and then you take a second quarterback by the end of round 10 or round 11 ish now that may be moving up we talked in the mfl 10 of death recap about the ways in which the current trends appear to be moving that window a little bit earlier and so, you know, if you can hit that QB2, you know, round nine ish, maybe, then your win rate just goes through the roof. And people are, are very obsessed with some things that will help you win in week 17. And I think that you should be. I'm not in any way saying that that is not appropriate, but there are a lot of other things that are actually going to give you a much larger bump in terms of win rates if you're playing in, obviously, just. Uh, what we might call a satellite league, a 12-person league where there's no tournament. And if your goal is to advance to the tournament portion of a tournament contest, then it's very important to build your team in a way that maximizes those chances. I mean, you can get some very big differences by following the lessons in the Best Ball Workshop. One thing that we're going to have coming out very soon and maybe even be out as this podcast releases is just an extraordinary article by Michael Dubner entitled The Best Ball Bible. Everybody will want to look for that. But again, here, the idea is that we're essentially looking for these quarterbacks that probably are going to come between, say, QB 6 and QB 16 to 18. So that's sort of your sweet spot for grabbing the QBs. The players who are not being drafted up into this range where maybe you really need to hit an elite wide receiver or even one of the big tight ends, depending on format, might still be available for you there. We know, again, the value of the elite tight end is just so extreme. But then you also want to get into that range before things really start to drop off. And you have QBs who maybe are expected to not have rushing upside and maybe are going to be low volume types of guys. I mean, Matt Ryan, who you and I actually have drafted in a few leagues recently but at the very very end when he felt a rut like round 16 
there you're looking at someone who's probably in a run heavy offense and probably is not going to add rushing volume himself so even when you talk about on a weekly basis and maybe he has this game where you slide him into the lineup every once in a while those sorts of quarterbacks are probably not giving you that potential to slot in you know a 28 29 point game and then a second quarterback who you know on any given week is going to give you a 28 29 35 point game those qbs are not helping the way that it might seem even in best ball and one of the things that we talk about from time to time is that one of the reasons why the running back heavy and then wide receiver volume based approach to best ball didn't work the way people thought it was going to is that those wide receivers even when you have a lot of them they just don't contribute enough points right so you're kind of thinking well the spike weeks are going to come and yet there aren't enough of them the overall scoring is not there and so when you're thinking about weekly scoring, one of the things that is helpful to do too is just look at total score. I mean, that's going to give you a sense of where those weekly ranges are likely to be on most players. And then you can kind of work back through and think again, what's someone like Matt Ryan going to give us? And yeah, there is this very possible scenario where he goes out and Michael Pittman smashes Alec Pierce really develops very quickly you get Paris Campbell coming back as the underneath threat and finally stays healthy. And then the running backs take some of these dump off passes and go, you know, 60, 70 yards to the house. And suddenly then Matt Ryan is kind of back in business. So again, it's not to say that's impossible. We want to look at probabilities as we're thinking in terms of where does this QB window hit us. And then the other thing obviously is that once you start to go after these quarterbacks who I don't say very likely, but are, in real danger of losing their starting jobs mixing a lot of those types of qbs into your build is going to be very ineffective big picture now again you know you and i selected some of those guys in a super flex because with a super flex if you can wait on qb and you hit it gives you just this massive massive advantage but when you're building out your best ball portfolio overall i mean you're really rowing upstream if you're not selecting qbs within the window yeah, so when we're looking at it then over on the Rotoviz website, if we use the best ball win rate explorer and the positional heat maps, you know, we're looking here as you kind of hinted at there, one quarterback leagues. This is obviously going to be different in those super flex formats, but it really is. Well, I was going to say this you mentioned how it could be changing. You know, it was previously on the data from 2017 all the way to 2021, kind of the range between rounds eight and rounds 12. But if we just look at 2020 to 2021, it's kind of moved from kind of around seven to round nine. So it's a little bit more condensed than it would have been previously. Is that what you're kind of, when we're doing our builds and we're looking at the QB window in 2022, are we looking more at the expanded range or are we looking more at that narrower seven through nine? I think part of that is to, we talked about this, I believe it was with Michael Leone when he was on, looking at how the Russian quarterbacks have kind of, been now sussed as how to be valued and that moves them up and then some of the non-passing quarterbacks kind of are sliding a little bit later exactly and one of the things that we're looking at here too and we'll talk about a little bit on our saturday show in terms of how do you make the value on your board fit with the value in an actual draft but for me these quarterbacks in the six seven eight nine range there are some dynamic players there and so I'm trying to kind of hit the range that I think 
is inexpensive enough that we're not giving up so much other positions. And so partly your own board is going to dictate that to you. Where do you think wide receiver is flat? And where do you think you need to get the quarterback done so you can sort of pivot to those zero RB type of candidates at running back? That's going to push you in a certain direction. And then obviously where you think some of the upside is. If we have sort of young quarterbacks where – and you know we're not necessarily overemphasizing projections but one of the things is when the projections show up very strongly in the same direction that you're thinking in terms of kind of contingency based drafting or scenario based drafting we're like i mean if the medians are coming out here and we can also see a scenario where the player plays well I mean, you think of someone like a trey lance or a justin fields what happens if they actually play well because that's not really what we're expecting right you look at that and then the other thing too is that there are some hybrid qbs that slide into here when jalen hurts slides into that range then i mean he becomes very very compelling obviously you're looking at trey lance there you're looking at justin fields is really the last guy in the qb window and by adp he tends to go after cousins and tua but there's an argument for moving him ahead or at the very least to if you can get him late one of the things that uh, Connor and I have been a little bit disappointed in the draft that we have ongoing over at Underdog is that we got very good prices on Joe Burrow and Trey Lance and teams that actually had some of the wide receivers that fit there and also some Week 17 correlation plays. So we were very excited about that. We took those guys. And then we also have Darnell Mooney and TJ Hawkinson, the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions playing Week 17. And Justin Fields has dropped and dropped and dropped. And now we have a little bit of regret that we just didn't wait for him. So you, you have that play there. The problem with waiting for Justin Fields is if you miss, then you're sliding out of the window. So they, there are pros and cons of each approach. But the other element that we do like from these hybrid QBs is then the pressure is not as great to stack them with their wide receivers. They can come through in, in the big weeks for you with that rushing value. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to have like this 40-point game that – breaks everything and really pushes you into the position where it's only teams with a Trey Lance or a Jalen Hurts or a Justin Fields, then probably, yeah, they hit plays to their big time receivers as well. But taking off that pressure to stack some of those players allows you again to get good values in your leagues. One of the ways that you can quickly cannibalize any value from stacking is to reach for the players. And so from that perspective, those quarterbacks who were in the window also give you a little bit more of an advantage just in terms of flexibility with your build so that's really kind of the way that i've been approaching it because at this point the prices on those quarterbacks are not prohibitive whether or not that continues throughout the entire offseason is uncertain that's also one of the reasons why i'm targeting them now i think there's at least some risk that those players will rise not guaranteed but i, I do think likely and I mentioned using the tools over at the site. Obviously, what we're looking at there is the win rate above or below expectation. So based on if you take that player at that position. But Sean, the other part, I guess, to mention is we're talking about the quarterback window. We've kind of talked about it in a number of ways so far today. But the key of that quarterback window is not just to get one quarterback, but to also try and get that second quarterback to optimize that build. It is. And you can look in the Explorer there as you're talking. Look at the positional heat map tab. 
one of the cool things about the best ball win rate explorers it's really like five or six tools in one but make sure you click on that tab look in there you can actually select specifically the qb2 version of it to see like where do we want to draft our qb2 and you take that player in the eighth or ninth round perhaps a little bit lower if you have a qb at the end of the window that you like but the win rate over expectation is is very very impressive we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, Sean, in this portion of the show, as we get ready to move on, we've talked quarterback window, and you know we'll be talking some quarterbacks here. We got a number of questions in from listeners, so I'll hit both of these. The first one is on Matthew Stafford. The second one will be on Tua Tonga We have Greg, who's messaged in. He said, "Hi, Colin. Fun draft yesterday. I listened to the podcast today, and I have a question. So this will be based on the early round podcast that dropped on Monday." Sean passed up the Stafford Cup stack saying that he's out on Stafford. And I believe I've heard Sean say that on past episodes as well, but I'm not sure why he's out on Stafford. If Cup is a good if Cup has a good season, shouldn't Stafford also be fairly good? So I'll I'll let you take that one away first. This isn't being completely out on Stafford, I guess. Partly, you know, we all we draft as as humans. <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily as machines. And I still have a little bit of frustration uh, that my Detroit Lions were not able to take advantage of his skills the way they should have because Matthew Stafford is one of the elite talents in the NFL. But one of the things that we did see last year is that some of the things that coaches, and this is multiple coaches throughout his entire tenure in Detroit, the coaches would get a little bit frustrated by with Stafford and try and fix and anytime that you're fixing some of these players the vast majority of the time what you do is you're limiting their strengths and you can't actually fix their weaknesses because if weaknesses were that easy to fix then coaches earlier in the progression and the player himself who is a big time competitor would have fixed those types of elements but you see some of these throws that stafford made in the final month of the season where he kind of decided 
well, I don't like what's happening underneath. It's kind of boring. I'm going to chuck the ball down the field. He throws these Hail Marys that get picked off, and he goes to the sideline. And Sean McVay is just like, we went through this whole season where you were unbelievable, and our team was unbelievable. Why are you now just chucking and praying on these passes? And so then you get more conservative with the Rams. And over the final month of the season, despite averaging more than 22 points overall, he averages fewer than 17 points per game. This also sort of overlaps with the time period where they didn't actually have elite running back play. So they pulled back on the passing despite not having dynamic running back production. This is one of the things that you saw in the NFL playoffs as well. Now they're facing these elite defenses in the playoffs, but they did insist on running the ball despite not getting any production there. And we know that even if you have an elite running back, one of the coolest articles uh, in all of the fantasy douche archive. And obviously if you ever read any article by Frank, you will know that all of them were fantastic. Well, one where he was demonstrating that having an elite running back actually hurt your team because it encouraged you to run plays that were suboptimal. Obviously since that time period, you know, you're talking about, you know, eight, nine years ago at this point, there's been an avalanche of information and analytics pointing in that same direction, but, and not to say that he was the only person, but Frank was really one of the pioneers kind of in that direction saying these types of things when it was even more unpopular than it. I mean, right now it's in some ways controversial, but back when Frank's writing about it, it's wildly unpopular. You can imagine if you actually have poor running backs and you're trying to just to run the ball into the line in order to protect your QB. Now, there are some potential injury elements there. But one of the things, too, is that we saw during this time period kind of an emergence of Odell Beckham. So you actually have Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham there at the same time. I think because Cooper Cup made this unbelievable jump to being essentially Antonio Brown, to being the best wide receiver in football, to having one of the greatest wide receiver seasons of all time. There's now the sense that Stafford is going to elevate all the players, despite the fact that Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, you know, vaguely, if not just completely disappointing seasons last year, Van Jefferson, you know, again, disappointing type of season. If Cooper Cup plays as well as he did last season and the production is there, it's going to be hard for Stafford to actually be bad, but the idea that Allen Robinson, who quit on his team last season and has really not been a separator for a long time, I think that the fit with Matthew Stafford is actually very good. I mean, there are only a handful of QBs in the NFL that are going to be able to throw someone open like that or to throw to them while they're covered and have confidence in the player to go up and make the play. So from that perspective, it's a great fit. But the idea that Allen Robinson with Cooper Cup now gives Stafford dynamic weapons I guess I would be a little bit skeptical of that. And this is one that I'll probably end up being wrong on. But one of the issues that we have, even with someone like Justin Herbert, is that with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, Allen on this very slight descent and possibly a descent that could accelerate at some point, Mike Williams being a player who is not really a target hog, can be a big play kind of guy. Then you have Josh Palmer, you have Gerald Everett, you do have the running game. But Herbert doesn't exactly have elite weapons, and yet I would say that he probably has more than what we're looking at with Stafford. So if Allen Robinson doesn't emerge, if 
Tyler Higby or Van Jefferson or some of the other players don't emerge. If Odell Beckham does sign with the Rams but isn't available until November, you're having some issues here in terms of what is the total passing volume upside. And then the flip side of that is that Cam Akers comes back. And there was absolutely no reason to expect him to play well that soon after an Achilles injury. That would have been absolutely absurd. He's probably a great value in fantasy drafts right now because he's being discounted specifically as a result of that. But if he comes back and is the player that the Rams and so many fantasy managers, you know, a year ago believed that he was, then you perhaps have this very balanced offense. So we go in and we look at the weekly explorer and we see that last season, Matthew Stafford was 11th in terms of expected points. Now as a passer, he was one of the top players in fantasy points over expectation. That is going to come when you have very good coaching like he has. It's going to happen when you have a player like a Cooper cup, but it's also something where you can't necessarily count on those numbers Again, when you look at some of these other players, for example, a Justin Herbert, who was fantastic last season, is at one. Patrick Mahomes is at 1.5, right? Matthew Stafford at three, if he drops down to one or 1.5 and stays in the same basic volume range, then you're talking about a guy who's not giving you this advantage and definitely not advantage at the price because he's being priced around where his expected points are. He's also someone who has essentially no rushing expected points so when you don't have the potential for that to also carry you then you're drafting a player where you're more or less hoping that he meets adp and i think there is you know if if alan robinson is what the rams wanted to be and what a lot of fantasy drafters wanted to be maybe this offense does even take the next step and then you can beat adp for me there are a lot of other ways that from a probabilistic perspective, you're much more likely to hit on a guy who outperforms ADP than you are with a Matthew Stafford. And you had on the main part of it there as well. Like you have the upside of what Cooper Cup may do if he has what is a historic season if he does that again. But the part that you had on there was the expected points from rushing. And Matthew Stafford really doesn't bring you anything in the rushing game. And we've seen over the years how important that has become in fantasy football. The other part of it is in the draft that we're talking here specifically about, we took Cooper Cup in that super flex draft as the second wide receiver at the 11th pick. And then we did have the 201 and we took Jamar Chase at that point. So the players available in that range would have been Jamar Chase, Travis Kelsey, Russell Wilson, Trey Lance, Matthew Stafford. So we passed on Matthew Stafford there based on the stack. But I think, Sean, this comes back to the conversation that we've had a couple of times now is stacking is good when it fits the construction and when it fits the overall roster but forcing players into those stacks is going to be suboptimal and you know maybe we take Stafford there and nobody bats an eyelid but I think there's certain times where we're so focused now on trying to get the stacks that we don't think through the process of is that the best pick or player to take at that point so lots of good points there on Matthew Stafford and why maybe we should temper expectation but down the stretch has it could have been injury related but his arm strength really fell off he didn't look anything like he looked at the start of the season and i'm sure people will know the kind of the viral clip or the one that people remember is that throw against the 49 or so it is very difficult to be as critical as maybe we are of a super bowl winning quarterback coming off that super bowl win but there was a lot of elements to winning that that weren't matthew stafford related as the end of the season wore on sean the second player that the question comes in on 
And I do apologize, I have misled the name of who submitted this question, so apologize for that. But it is on Tua, and it is a thought for the show discussion. It says, and this is capitalized, Sean. It says, I rarely find myself in disagreement with Sean, and he doesn't brackets then. And when I do, or and, and I'm always wrong when I do, um, close brackets, but I think he's too low on Tua. He seems to be somewhat high on Tyreek and very high on Waddle. Kasicki appears to be a reasonable option, and Edmonds is a good zero RB candidate. If all that is true, doesn't Tua in capital letters have to be a value where he's currently been drafted? The other note, it says, unrelated side note, my Kenny Gainwell shares are starting to get out of control, and I may need to seek help. So we're probably all in that same boat, Sean, with the Kenny Gainwell shares, but what are some of your thoughts on Tua? Um you know, it's we we've talked about him a few times ourselves, but um, it's always good to get. Maybe when we're talking about it again, like I was talking about earlier with the quarterback window, we're just like talking about the same things because we're in the same boat. But it's good when people are listening in and are, are thinking maybe why, what is the why behind those uh, decisions? Yeah, first of all, the, the, we we really appreciate the question, and this was worded in a pretty fun way. I definitely doubt that in the specific case the listener is is wrong when he disagrees and certainly uh big picture we know the listeners when they do disagree are often correct this is a a great question on to i don't i'm not completely out but i think there are enough questions from a talent perspective that i'm not as excited with the price and again it comes down sort of to the rushing where you look at justin fields versus Tua. And you look at the weapons that they have, and it's very, I mean, it's very difficult to see Fields having a big passing season, even though I think Mooney and Komet probably are being underdrafted. At the same time, it's hard to see Tua having a poor passing season with the weapons that he has now, except that I think we're still in this question of if he might just collapse entirely. And so my preference is not to be all in, I guess on the dolphins right they've surrounded him now with these weapons and i do think that it will probably work out but we're talking about players who are going to smash their adps you really have to have hill and waddle both hit and and we like mike kosicki too and so you're looking at that the potential here i think though is that at the end of the season the dolphins are looking for a new franchise quarterback and if that is the case then it won't be a season where you're going to have wanted to have him. Now we talk a lot about contingency-based drafting and you know, what are the scenarios that would play out here? And the way that I have my rankings set up, I'm willing to take Hill when he really falls, because when you're talking about a player with that type of speed and within an offense where he probably will be one of the two focal points, if he does hit, and where he's sliding, I think that you can play that. But I do want him to slide. I do want to get him below ADP. I don't have a lot of shares as a result. I sort of have my rankings set up to where I'm betting on Waddle being the guy who emerges and even ends up as the number one. If Waddle does that, then Tua probably has the type of season that is playable. But with some of the other quarterbacks in that range, including Fields after him, and then some of the players that I want to draft before him, He's not fitting into what I want to do overall. And I prefer to have individual pieces of this offense as opposed to the entire offense. You contrast that with, say, the Detroit Lions. If we want to bet on a team where we can actually get the quarterback inexpensively and get the other pieces, and they've made similar, I would say, upgrades 
offensively to what the Dolphins have made. Now, it's not a Tyreek Hill that they've added. They may not have Jamison Williams until the second half of the season and maybe not really at his full strength at all. But they've added DJ Chark. The other element, though, is they're going to get their players back healthy and that portion of it with the Amon Ra emergence, you have an offense that could be very dynamic here and you have a quarterback that is similar and possibly better than two, at least at this point. You know, could Tua emerge in a year or two from now be kind of your Kurt Warner type of player or even your Tom Brady type of player, the player who doesn't have the elite arm strength but manages the game so well, understands pre-snap, anticipates, gets the ball out. I mean, Tyreek Hill has made some controversial comments on his podcast probably to generate some listenership, but comparing Tua's accuracy to Mahomes and complaining, claiming that it's better. If that turned out to be the case, then you're, you are looking at this situation a few years from now where maybe the Dolphins could be a, a greatest show on turf kind of team with the speed weapons. And again, the question mentions Gasicki. That's very important to point out. I mean, Gasicki is one of the most athletically gifted tight ends in the entire NFL. So there's a way this could work. But if I'm betting on that type of emergence, I prefer to do it in the context of taking the extremely inexpensive quarterback as, the, as opposed to the quarterback that's still kind of in that range where I have other targets. If he's not going to add the rushing upside, he has to be very, very good to smash ADP at his price. And so mostly it's a matter of looking at players and I think specifically at QBs. And if you're only going to draft two, I mean, there are some reasons to draft a third QB in best ball leagues, even though for the most part, history suggests that just two is the right answer. We're always trying to get these guys that we think we're going to absolutely smash ADP. I don't think that Tua fits that for me, or there are too many risks that balance it out and also give him a lot of downside with where he's being drafted. Whereas the guys that are targets, I, I think it's hard for them to go below ADP and then they have this massive upside. I do like this question though, because it forces us to think about the fact that, I mean, these guys are big weapons. If we're taking Jalen Waddle early, then... I mean, two is going to have not necessarily a breakout year, but he's going to move into that range where he's very playable, something that hasn't necessarily been the case in the past. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Dolphins do this year. Um, I think it's a fair question, though I do like when questions make you think a little bit about it. So we'll continue our two discussions over the, the coming weeks and months and see how things evolve there but um sean that is going to bring us to the end of today's show as always as a loyal podcast listener you can get a 10 percent discount to a road of his nfl pass using the code rv radio 2022 we talked today about some of the tools on the website including the best ball win rate explorer you get access to all of that and much much more with a road of his nfl pass once again that code is rv radio 2022 at checkout over at rotoviz.com my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at OverTimIreland. And as always, you can check out all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com as well as the Stadium Bananas podcast. And until we're back on Saturday with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.